We're in a series called Devoted, and we've been talking about what are the things that we're devoted to the most, and really, uh, how many know it's easy to become devoted to things that we don't want to be devoted to, that we just kind of fall into that? And last week, I talked about being devoted to eternity. Uh, today, I, I'm going to try to preach a series of messages in one sermon, because I felt like I needed to preach all of them, and, and, and there's really one point I wanted to preach, and I felt, well, like, if I preach that, I got to preach the rest, so I'm not going to do well at this, um, as I found out in the last service. I, I really am going to preach the one I wanted to preach, and then I'm going to let you know the other two. How does that sound? And, and it's uh, really three little sermonettes, one bigger than the other two. Uh, but it's being devoted to the, the W's, the three W's. And I, I want to talk about our theme first because we're putting our money, energy, and time to some things. And um, I want to talk about our theme verse first. And it says, all the believers devoted themselves to, and then it lists apostles, teaching, fellowship, sharing in meals, and to prayer. And, and so what are we devoting everything to? A lot of people devote their time to uh, you know, before, before Christ, people were devoting their time to just food, security, clothing, and even pleasure. How many know God doesn't have a problem with you wanting pleasure? Yeah, that's, somebody should say amen. Last week, I started out with saying you're going to die. So I, I think that's an improvement over where we started last week is that God created you to, to, to enjoy things, right? That, that there are things that we have pleasure doing. I mean, and God created. How many have pleasure eating a chocolate cake? I mean, it's good. You should eat one today or, or a slice of one. But I want to talk about devoted to the three W's. And what I mean by three W's is heaven was split up into three parts. Most scholars would agree that um, because there were uh, three arch archangels that were mentioned in the Bible, um, and then when Lucifer, the, the archangel of worship, fell, his tail had wiped out a third of the angels in, in heaven, that, that they really believed that heaven was split up into three parts. Uh, word, word, war, and worship. Word, war, and worship. Say it with me. Word, war, and worship. And um, we're going to talk about basically those are the three points or sermonettes, whatever you want to call it. What's interesting is um, most of the time, I don't know that I've ever preached a series on angels. I know I preach a message from time to time. But mostly the world is defined for us what angels look like. And it's usually not a biblical perspective. So most people, Christians, view angels as looking like, like being human. And angels are not human. Uh, yeah, Clarence was not an actual biblical angel, okay? Well, really, I know I've just crushed your world. You thought Santa was real, and now I'm telling you Clarence was not an angel, and it's wonderful life. The angels are not human. They're totally different, and we were created in God's image, and angels were not created in God's image, Okay, so I want to talk to you about the three archangels that are mentioned in the Bible. The first one is Michael, the war angel or prayer angel. Um, you might recall in Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Daniel is praying in a 21-day fast, and he prayed, and, and along in the fast, Michael comes to him and said, I responded the first day you prayed to come to bring the answer to you, but I was detained by the prince of Persia, 
and I've been fighting him this whole time. It's why we never stop praying. It's why we keep praying because um, there are spiritual forces. You know, the Bible's very clear. There, there are spiritual forces that are at, at war right now. We're going to talk about that. But Michael is the war angel. And then we have Gabriel, which is the Christmas. Well, you know, Christmas time is when you remember. The word angel, he's the one that brings the message of God, a messenger of God, the word of God. And you see him bringing it to Mary to tell him, you're going to be the mother of the son of God credible message to receive. And so we know Gabriel is doing that. We know the angels, there are angels at work warring right now. There are angels at work bringing a word right now to people. And then there was uh, someone I'm sure most of you know. And, and it's amazing because there's even a TV show now I, I noticed with, called Lucifer. Um, most parents don't name their kids Lucifer. I would encourage you not to do that. Um, but he was the worshiping angel, and he really had probably one of the most esteemed positions in eternity, in heaven, in the kingdom, and he lost it because he wanted, he wanted to be God. He, he really just wanted to be God. And it's a tricky thing. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I believe um, there is a Lucifer spirit that's operating in the world today. It's so evident, and I'm going to show you that here in a moment. Um, but word, worship, war, those should be in our prayer time. If, if you wake up in the morning and you get your coffee and you go to a place, you should worship, you should read the word, and you should pray. And why am I saying that is a lot of times if you just pray, you're just going to pray, all you're doing, all you're doing is meditating on your problem, before you talk about your issue, you should, you should take a look at who God is. So one, he can realign your perspective and your faith to believe he's bigger than my problem. I want to spend more time thinking about him than my problem. Secondly, I want to go to the word and find out what the word says so I have a promise to stand on. Then when you look at your problem, it doesn't look as bad. It's like, okay, I put it in perspective now. If all we do is come and pray about it, uh, that problem it doesn't really ever get in perspective. It sometimes grows because all you're doing is meditating on your issue. You're really not praying for it. In fact, I'll tell you later in the message, if I get to that point, Spurgeon said, there are prayers that don't pray. There are prayers that don't pray. A lot of times we're not talking to God. We're really glorifying our problems. And we think we're praying. We're not praying. And so I want to talk about being devoted to worship. This is really the one that was in my heart first. Um, and and it's, so you're going to hear a lot more on worship today. Is that okay? And uh, worship is really ascribing worth. So we worship all kinds of things. We, there, there are all kinds of things. In fact, the Bible tells us that, we, that it's not a matter of only worshiping God. We, it's not a problem of only worshiping God. Because you're going to worship your kids. You're going to ascribe worth to your kids. You're going to worship your spouse. You should do that. How many say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I worship my spouse. She's a, and the spouse is thinking, I wish you did it more. <laughs> of course, not more than you do God. Right? Here's the problem. A lot of times, those, those, those things we worship get out of alignment, and we can sometimes fall in traps and start worshiping people and things and projects in our career more than we worship God. And it happens so subtly. But before we get there, how do we worship? How, how, what are some acts of worship? Sometimes we worship with our physical body. So raise your hands. 
Psalms says that we should lift up our hands to the Lord, right? There's some people who won't even do it right now because I'm not doing it. There's no way. Everyone, just raise your hands. Just everyone raise your hands. Now look around and see who's not raising their hands and, and just say to them, do you feel uncomfortable right now, right? See, we aren't doing this because our pastor told you to do it. You just won't. I'm not listening. You, well, you won't receive anything from this message today. I'm serious. You won't. Okay, you got them up. Do you know that Psalm says when we worship the Lord, we should raise our hands? Do you know it says we should shout unto the Lord, say, praise the Lord. Lord. That was horrible. (laughs) Say, praise the Lord. Lord. Okay, right? Do this with your hands, right? So, so what, what you say, what does that have to do with worship? It's taking your physical body and worshiping God with your physical body, okay? I'll explain that a little more in this message and how clapping your hands, shouting unto the Lord, using your body to worship actually fits into everything God did when he created you. You don't think, Satan doesn't want you to worship him in body, mind, or body, soul, and spirit. He doesn't want you to do that because he wants to be worshiped. He wants to be worshiped. Especially, especially when we'll do that at a football game, for those who like football, and we won't do it in church. We will cause our body. The Bible says, if you won't worship me, the rocks will cry out and worship me. It's a physical form of worship to come to them. So we all worship something, and worship is our response to what we value most. So maybe it's shopping, golf, football, mowing your lawn. You want it to look like Target Field, so you mow twice. Man, I have a hard time just doing once, and you want to mow your lawn twice to make the rest of us look bad. The, or maybe it's your career. You know, God doesn't mind you worshiping, but it, the problem is, is when it gets messed up. Let me show you this. There's this verse right now. The verse I'm going to give you right now is considered hate speech in our country. There are some nations that have put people in jail for just quoting this verse, okay? How many are wondering, what what verse is that? Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. In fact, they're creating Bibles without this chapter in it, totally rewriting it because this is hate speech. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. You see, you think you're intelligent because you got a degree from a university. But I'm telling you right now, all God has to do is close the eyes of your mind and you will be a fool. When you deny the creator who he is and the truth of the creator, you think you'll make wise decisions, you'll quickly find out that every decision you make will not benefit you at all. You will be the fool. Because wisdom comes from the Father, not from an education. Okay, look at this. goes on. And exchange the glory of an immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being, birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over. Who gave them over? He said, okay, if that's what you want, there you go. If you think that's better, there you go. Do you know why we're, where we're at? And it's amazing how when you're given over to those things, you don't even think it has any connection to God. 
There's like no connection in your mind that all the chaos we're seeing in the world today has, in their mind, has no connection to the fact that they've removed God from their thinking. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of hearts to sexual immaturity, impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And, And then look at this. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the... Do you see it? Some of you are seeing this right now. We are living in a world of narcissists. And we are really good at judging everyone else's narcissism when we are the very thing we're judging everybody else in. Right? Throw me, throw me your phone for a moment. Come on, everybody. I'm going to post everything about me. I'm going to brand me. It's all about me. I want you to not only, I'm not only going to, I'm not only going to worship created things, the praises of men. I'm not only going to worship the praises of men. I want everyone to like my, I want them to worship me. You know what I'm talking about, right? Suck in those cheeks. It is so subtle, friend, it is so subtle. Do you, you'll see this, I think, in a moment, because you were actually created to replace Lucifer. When Lucifer fell, he created you to replace Lucifer, and we've, we're falling in the same trap Lucifer fell into. The spirit of Lucifer has literally snuck in and we're using it just like he, I will arise. People will, do you know 57% of teenagers today want to be celebrities and feel that the only way they're successful in life is if they're a celebrity. It's not about serving people. It's about being served. It's about being looked at. It's about being worshipped. Think about it. Think about what's going on. Lucifer was the first worshiper in the Bible. Lucifer fell from heaven. Let me show you why he fell. It's really, he, he fell because of merchandising. I'm going to preach a series on worship. And, and you're going to say, merchandising? What does that have to do with anything? I'll, I'll give you a quick reason, and then you'll have an insider track into this. Merchandising is when everything that you, like if you're a shoe salesman, and you're selling shoes, but you didn't own the shop, you're just the salesman. If, if you sold a pair of shoes to Brian, who's sitting right down here, I sell a pair of shoes to Brian. Brian gives me 100 bucks for the shoes. Actually, they were like 415. They were Jordan 4s. So you bought them, and they were about like that. So you gave me, and I thought to myself, I'm going to keep 150 for myself and give the rest to the owner. All of it was the owner's. But when I kept back some for me and gave the rest to him, I was merchandising. Does that make sense? I, and that's what Isaiah says, that Satan, you fell because you were merchandising. You, were, you, weren't, you weren't a flow through of the glory of God. You kept some of it for you. So you wanted people to worship you. So I'm gonna, I'll worship God, but I'm going to keep some for me. Right? So 
Let's go to Isaiah. It says, How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of dawn? You have been cast down to earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly of the utmost, heights the most, Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. It is so common today so common to desire today to not only worship created things, to be worshiped by created things. You're waiting for me to speak right now, and I can't tell you what you need to hear right now. Only the Holy Spirit can speak to you about this. Because all you're thinking about is the person that you know who's doing this. And the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. You know why? Because he loves you. He ain't going to replace you. He wants, you to bring, he wants to bring you back to the real heart of worship. You got to look at yourself. You can't think about everyone else. You got to look at yourself. You see, when Lucifer fell, God didn't find another angel to take his place. He took a third of the angels with him. He said, I'm going to create someone in my image who will worship me as the bride of my son is my children. He says again and again that they would, that they would call me their God and I would, or I would be called their God. They would have my name and, and, and I would be their God. That's his heart. Like that's God's ultimate heart is that we would be his children and he would be our God. That we would worship him alone. Look at Isaiah 14. And, and, and Lucifer, it's interesting. You got to see what he was like. He says, all your pop has brought you down um, to the grave along with the noise of your harps. What is a harp? It's a stringed instrument. Okay? Um, look at this next verse in Ezekiel. Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, we're talking about Lucifer again. Thus says the Lord, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in uh, Eden, the garden of God. And in Revelation, all of this that kind of clothed Lucifer in that day, in Revelation, he says, clothes, he, he, lists, he talks about us in eternity and that we're clothed in this kind of beauty that he's referring to here. And, I, and that's another message. But it says, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. What are timbrels? <laughs> Percussion. And pipes are wind. There are three types of instruments in the world. There's string, there are percussion, and there are wind. String, percussion, and wind, right? The, Lucifer wasn't, he was a worship instrument. He was a worship instrument. You have percussion, you have vocal cord strings, and you have wind in your breath you were created to be a worship instrument to God. He didn't replace them with a worshiping angel. He replaced them with human beings and the ability to worship him with all three instruments. So when you sit there silent and you say, well, I'm worshiping because I'm sneaking in the back door. How many love to be in a place where everybody's engaged in worship? Right? You just love. See, here's the problem. We want to go into a place where everyone's involved. Well, we just sit and take it in. I was just taking it in. D d see, the problem with that thinking is it wasn't meant for you. 
That is where the narcissism comes in. That's where Lucifer, the spirit of Lucifer comes in, where we start choosing worship because it's appealing to me. It's good for me. I'm enjo- I get something, I pick my worship, and we don't worship, we just take it in as though, I, I, they're not worshiping for you. They're worshiping for him. And when we come into an atmosphere and we don't worship along with one another to worship him, we are literally operating in the spirit of a Lucifer. Amen. Wow. So we're sitting there thinking, Pastor, that's just me. I, I don't sing. I don't. No, friend. Friend, hear me. God created you. You didn't create you. And God says in Psalms, we were created in, in, as an instrument before God. So if we're not worshiping, it's not because it's not who you are. It's because of who you've chosen to be. You've made an active choice to say, I'm not going to worship him because it's just not what I do. There's a problem. There's a lie. There's something in there preventing you from, from worshiping God and not caring what anyone thinks. And I know some of you aren't going to like me today. Join the crowd. There's plenty who don't. <laughs> I'm not trying to make you upset or angry. I'm really not. I'm, I'm trying to help you see that God created you for something greater than where you're at. That that he didn't replace it with another angel. He said, I've created an image of me in this place so that we could come together and anyone in this community could come in this place. And when they walk in this place, they said, the presence of God is in that place. I couldn't. Do you know that Saul went to look for David? That, and they, he came up to these, these people who were in the house of God and they were all prophesying and Saul came to kill David. And when he walked into their presence, Saul started to prophesy. He came with the intent to murder, and he left with the the spirit of a prophecy. You can change the direction of... Right now in Richfield, we're dealing with a situation in Richfield where two students are uh, shot by a school only a few blocks from our building, and you, you know what they need is the presence of God. There ain't any other solution to that, because there's a spirit operating. They need a church that that says, you know what, I'm going to worship God. This is going to be a place. I, it doesn't matter if we got a one-string guitar up on the platform. How many are glad we got a great worship team, right? We don't have a one. So, but there, I've been in churches with a one-string guitar, and they shout louder than the people of God in this place. <laughs> right? And they're in the Amazon jungle wondering if they'll have their next meal. But when I come to worship God, I've come to worship God. It ain't for me. It's to worship Him because I know who my creator and provider is. Look at Ezekiel 28, 14. It says, you are anointed cherub who covers. And this is amazing. Worship, music, music in general is anointed. How many know that's true? Whether bad or good. Like you learn the ABCs with music, right? You learn Bible stories with music. Silver and gold, have I none but such as I, right? Or, or Zacchaeus was a now, how poli- politically incorrect that song is. Imagine, <laughs> we get some serious trouble singing that song anymore. The We Little Men uh, organization would have some real problems with that right now. I'm just saying, <laughs> we need to keep that offline. <laughs> 
There's a song when they play. Do you have that song up there, on there? Can you play that song? They were supposed to have it played. Do you, can you play that song? How many have heard this song? I don't believe in Christ, Christian music. I don't think you can save music. I think music uh, is music. But how many know when you hear certain songs, it takes you to a place, right? Now, the reason I'm playing this song is because this song, it's Valentine's, and this is our song. So whenever this song comes up, it takes me all the way back to when we were dating and and the first kiss we had out by the Stone Arch Bridge. And you have wild eyes. Have you ever been in love? Right? You can shut it off. How many have a song? Right? Like one of you. How many have a song? All right? Some of you is like, it's well with my soul is mine. <laughs> Trust and obey. That was our marriage song. <laughs> oh, seriously, how many have a, a, a couple song? You raise your hand. Okay, you're right. And, and there are songs that take you back, like, because there's so many movies about um, uh, Vietnam. Uh, a Clearwater Revival uh, band they play. There's so many that tied to that. So whenever I hear that, I always think Vietnam. There is power on music to take your mind places. How many have noticed that? So you hear a song, you think back to eras or an event that took place because music is anointed. And it's, it's, it can often be anointed for bad. It's why you must, a friend, you must account for what you're listening to and what you open your heart to. As a worship leader created by God, you should know what your music says. Well, I just like the tune. You can... I didn't know music was just the tune. The powerful part of music is the words. They're literally communicating attitudes and thoughts and beliefs. You should guard what you believe. There are songs that... We listen to, and my kids would say, Dad, you know what that means? And I'm like, no. I thought it just meant this. And they said, no. <laughs> Thank God for kids, right? I don't know what they would do if they're all gone. And it's like, that doesn't mean that at all. And I'm like, whoa, we're going to not listen ever to that again, right? Right? The power of music. So if it's that powerful to take you to moments, why don't we understand that when we come into this place and we worship the Lord, there's power and anointing in, those, in that moment, in those moments when we come together. You know, it's, it's interesting because God made me from him. God made you and me from him. God made you and me from him. Uh, that's not where I want to go. So, so we were made from him. And, and what I mean by that is there are created things and there are made things. To create is to form something out of nothing. So just come along with me. This is kind of, I get a scientific thing, but when God created, there was nothing there. Then there was light. Then he caused land to take its shape. So create, when he created, he, he made things from nothing. When he made things, he formed something out of something. Okay? So when he made the trees, he made the trees come from the ground that he created. So the trees were made by the ground. They were sustained by the ground, and when they die, they return to the ground. They come from, and they go to, and they're sustained throughout its life, okay? 
Your body came from the dust. Your physical body came from the dust. It's sustained by the dirt, dust. And when it returns, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, right? But your soul and your spirit did not come from the ground. When God formed man in the dirt, he went down and he put into man their mind, will, and emotions and their spirit. It was made from God, sustained by God, and it returns to God when it dies. That's why to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God wanted there to be a relationship between the thing that he made and the thing that it came from. So your physical body may be sustained by the health of this world, but your soul, your mind, your will, and emotion can only be sustained by God. That's why in Romans 1, when you remove God from the equation, you have nothing to sustain. You literally starve your mind, will, and emotions, and that is when you start to open the door to some incredible mental illness issues. Because we stopped worshiping God. And we tried... The knowledge, that's what Adam and Eve did when they pulled out of the tree of life. They plugged into the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil, thinking the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil would sustain their soul, and they died. Why? Because their soul did not come from the dirt. It came from God. The only way you can have life is if you're sustained by God. In, in Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. My, God made me to be with him. So in order to have life, I need to be with him. So let me ask you this question. If I were to ask what relationship in your life is the closest, would you respond with the one I have with God? How would you answer that question? Look at Ephesians, by the way. Look at this. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I had never seen this until this week. This is a great mystery, okay? We all understand that because it's in Genesis, it's in Matthew, and now it's in Ephesians. But look what he says. He says, I'm not speaking about husbands and wives. I'm speaking about Christ and the church, you. He's not referring to the marriage relationship. He's referring to our relationship with him. That we leave the world behind where, where we came from, what we're to become one with him. It, how do you determine what the, the best relationship in your life is? What are the factors that you can look at? Because I love measurable things, right? I love measurable things because then I know whether or not I'm doing well at it or I'm not doing well. It's like a fact. How do I know that in my life, my relationship with Christ is better than my relationship with my wife or my children or my boss or anyone else in the world? How do I determine that? It's, it really comes back to what you're devoted to. What are you putting your time, energy, strength into? Where are you spending your time, because God made me to love him back. And this is interesting. Uh, how many married people in here? You're married. This is how we'll know whether you're married or just living together right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. 
I probably won't say that again because I realized that wasn't a good... Now I forgot what I said because I realized, I'm sorry to those, I, I didn't mean to do that. I feel bad actually. The, uh, if you're married and you, you got married and you're standing here giving your vows and you said, I love you, and, and you've never said it since that, that wedding day, is your marriage a good marriage? Uh, you've been married a while, I'm guessing, right? You're shaking your head No. It, the, the reality is, just because you feel like you love them, it really doesn't mean much to that person until you tell them you love them. There's a whole lot of things we think, if they're not said, it's as though they've never been expressed. If they're not expressed, it's as though it never happened. Well, I love God. Well, have you expressed it to God? Well, no. He knows. God knows everything. And yet, God, yeah, <laughs> we don't need to play that song again, but, uh, oh, that's the keyboard. <laughs> I thought, has you ever been in love? I thought that's what you were playing. <laughs> I thought that's the song you were playing, actually. I thought they were playing the song again because they kind of flowed. No, it's not a worship song. It's a love song. <laughs> are, are you with me? Yeah. Do you understand? You have to express your love to God. How are you expressing your love to God? Let's get honest here. Let's just be honest. Do we want to grow in that? Then who's challenged me to, in that relationship to grow? Beyond my comfort zone. Beyond this comfort zone of where I'm at and you just using as a patsy or an excuse to say, well, that's just who I am. And yet, in no other other parts of your life is that the way you are. And maybe, can I, can I say, as you grow in your worship to the Lord, You'll grow in your expression of love to your spouse, and they're going to love it that you've, you've grown in your expression to the Lord. Maybe you treat everyone the same, but that still doesn't mean you shouldn't grow. Still doesn't mean you shouldn't express and grow in your expression of the Lord. Here's the second. I'm going to give you two quick points. And, and like I said, these are sermonettes that are going to be very quick. Here's the second point, devoted to the Word. We've never been more biblically illiterate than we are right now. We just don't believe that it makes a difference if we read the Bible or not. We've really committed to this idea that if I just go into heaven, that's all I need to do is just get into heaven. So I don't need to read the word. Friend, first of all, this is a collection of books, which is interesting to me. Because, you know, in Romans chapter 1, it says it's illogical. We get illogical and they have no understanding. What's amazing to me is this is the oldest book in the history of the world. Like there is no book in the world that's older than this. It's the most ancient of books. And it's a collection of books over a period of time. So when they argue the book from India, I always chuckle because what they're arguing is when they put the Bible together as a Bible, the Septuagint, when they put them all the books together, their ignorance is funny. I'm like, but do you know how old Job is? Job is the oldest book in the Bible, over about 6,000 years old. There is nothing older than Job in the world. And yet, they complain about a book 
that we're censoring on the Holocaust, which I agree shouldn't be censored from school, that we should, we should, and they're all appalled about, by the censoring, but they've censored this from the very places. And if all this is is a book, then what's the problem? Well, it's religion. No, 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 no. It's a book. What's the problem, right? So literally, we as believers have fallen almost, we've been raised in this generation where because it's been treated and disrespected that we don't even read it anymore. We don't understand. Or we say, I read it once. I know what it says. You don't understand what this is. It's more than a book. They think it's a book. This is more than a book, okay? Now, did you hear me just say what I said? It's the inerrant word of God. You all heard that, right? Because what I'm about to say second, I don't want somebody twisting out of context here. Sometimes we use the Bible and it was never intended to be a crutch. You see, God never stopped talking to his people because there's a book. If, if God thought that this would replace his voice in your life, we would not have this. God wants you to have ears to hear. He wants you to know his voice. He wants you to hear his voice. Second Timothy says this. Look at what it says. Second uh, Timothy. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who judged the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering and teaching. Now look at this right here, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine any longer. They just won't endure it. They'll, they'll change what it actually says. They'll come up with complex interpretations of simple truths. You know, God did not make complex explanations. You know why? He wanted everybody to understand it. So when we make something so complex you can't understand it, it probably isn't true. I mean, there's stuff I hear. Now, l listen to me. You, whether you trust me or not, I hear stuff that preachers are saying that I've actually researched that is nonsense in historical perspective of that. They say, in the Greek, this word actually meant this. And I'll look for it, and I'll search everything, and there's none of it there. But they needed that word to say something so they could make a point that was a lie. You need to know the Word of God. You need to be in the Word so that when I'm preaching or anyone else is preaching, that you know in your heart whether or not, because there's things I've said that are not true. And you need to know whether that's true or not. I, I know that because I know there are things that I've said. And then I've gone back. I, even in the car leaving, I'm like, man, I wish you wouldn't have said that because that ain't true. Ask my wife. And then I caught myself before Apple Valley. <laughs> so, but, but look at this. John 10, 27 says this. Look at this. It says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Faith comes from hearing and hearing. It's not just the Bible. It's I hear the voice of God. I hear. 
and it creates faith inside of me because I'm hearing and I heard the voice of God speak and it doesn't matter what it looks like out here. I've heard the Lord speak to me so I know this is going to be okay. I know that I can walk in this. And here's the last one, devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. And, I, and, and the reality is, come on, if we're being honest, we're not devoted to prayer. You know why? I really believe this. We don't believe it makes a difference. We don't, we really do believe, even though we know it's not true, that God is just going to do whatever he wants. And so my prayer isn't going to change any of that. So why, why waste the time? Or we believe God has never answered my prayer. And yet Billy Graham said this, and I thought it was incredible, uh, such an incredible statement. He says, heaven is full of answers to prayer for which no one bothered to ask. Jesus himself says there was a woman who was a persistent woman and she would come to this judge who was an evil judge and he would never do anything for her and she just kept coming back again and again and again and eventually the judge says she's going to wear me out just do whatever it is she wants right why would Jesus tell that story and then he says but God who's not like that judge he's a loving father how much more does he want to do it but you need to be persistent in praying not quit you need to keep praying. So to those mamas and grandmothers in here that you've been praying for your grandkids and your children, keep praying because they are being answered whether you believe it or not, whether they've gone further to the, uh, to the left or the right than you realize. You keep praying because that prayer will be answered. I promise you. Jesus told us it would be because Jesus said it would be. Do you know how many grandkids I've met? And I said, somebody in your life was praying for you because nobody comes to Christ unless someone was praying for them to come to Christ. Your grandma's dead and gone. She never saw the answer to prayers, but she prayed for you. She, and they'll tell you, my grandma said she prayed for me every day. She never got to see it, but today we get to see the answered prayer of your salvation. Don't, there's a frequency to answered prayer. There is a fervency Spurgeon said it like this. It's incredible. He says, there are some, uh, there, there are, um, oh, what did he say? I, I had it there, but it is. He said, there is a prayer that doesn't pray. There's a fervency to prayer. Like when you believe and you pray, like when you believe that your prayers make a difference, you pray differently. You pray differently. You pray as though it's going to happen. Like when I pray, things change. We, we really have to be devoted to worship. And I think in a lot of ways, we're devoted to worship. Worship is just growing into this other thing where we almost want to be worshiped. We need to be devoted to the word. Well, I've already read it, so I already know what it says. And it doesn't really, because you don't understand that the word has to move from something you've read to something that you are. That it becomes... And then we need to be devoted to prayer where we don't give up on praying. We don't get up and give up on talking to God. Like, I'm going to be devoted to praying every single day because it may. And, and why? Do you know Jesus prayed? If Jesus could speak to sick people and they recover, if Jesus was the Son of God, what was the purpose of Jesus praying if it wasn't important? If Jesus prayed, how much more do I need to actually pray? And, and I want to give you this verse, the third part, the faithfulness of prayer. And I'm going to end on this. And will you all stand? 
Jesus tells this story and he ends on this. He says, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, however, now say this with me. However, when, read it with me. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith Will he? Will he? Because faith isn't saying I believe it. Faith is responding in prayer. I mean, it's a response. I worship because I believe he's got it taken care of. Whatever it is you're facing right now, what you're walking through is nothing for God. We worship to get perspective. We go to the word to get a promise and we pray to let our faith open the door to eternity and bring it to earth. We need to be devoted to the three W's right now. So will you do this right now in your body? And I know, just raise your hands again and say, God, I'm gonna worship you, Lord, because you deserve to be worshiped. This isn't about me, this is about you. And I just wanna worship you right now. I need a perspective right now. I need perspective right now. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.